Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to Waveform. We got a bonus episode. This is a little out of schedule, but we felt the need to start bright and early for 2020. So with the start of the new year, the start of the new decade, we'll go ahead and uh, kick out a podcast and talk about it a little bit. Yeah. So we're your hosts. I'm Marquez Brownlee. And I'm Andrew Manganelli. And we are currently, as you're listening to this, we are already out at CES mm-hmm. 2020, bringing you episode two already, like getting really into the nitty gritty. Um, but we're, we're shooting this, we're in a hotel room with, a <laughs> you could call it a jerry rigged setup. Yeah. The setups, the setup is uh we just have a kind of like a table and then this is, this is my favorite part. We're <laughs> traveling right now and Marquez is reading his script off of an iMac pro <laughs> in Las Vegas. Guilty, but it's not like, I'm not like depending on it. Like he could turn it around and I'd but be like, fine. But like literally any, I'm reading it off of like a 13 inch laptop and this Fair. almost seems like overkill. Like I could probably use my phone and you have an iMac Pro. This setup. iMac is lighting up my face in this hotel room, <laughs> but that's totally fine. There's, it's also great. The soundproofing we have, right? It, also, the audio might not sound great because it's not in the best setup in the world, but Vin found this really furry blanket that we put over the table to help soundproof. And that's then great. there's literally a cot standing upright next to me so i will tweet a photo from the waveform twitter so you can see the setup it's fantastic but you know what this is the this is the length we go to to bring a bonus episode um excuse any lapses in audio quality if there are any but let's get right into it 2020 is uh i don't know about you but a little bit of hype for a new decade Mm -hmm. of tech uh so i i just felt like we could talk about what what we're expecting for the next couple of years, maybe the next one year, but also the next like 10 years of like really looking forward. Yeah, like kind of in the spirit of CES because we're here, obviously, this is how we start every one of our years. But CES is is more of a showcase of what we think is going to come out in the future, Let it, not so much of like what we're going to see in a couple of months. That's, what, that's the beauty of it. CES yeah. is we start every year. It's always in January, first week or two of January, and you head out to Las Vegas you set up shop, you bring your cameras, you walk into the show floor with 150,000 of your closest friends, and you just get to take in what the companies around us think will shape the future for at least the next year and the next little bit. Um, and possibly the flu. And and probably the flu, probably some kind of sickness. Uh, how should we structure this? What do you want to do? I think we should just call this kind of like our, this is the waveform CES that, that you're listening to. It's okay. the... During CES, Waveform CES. So that. let's make it a tradition that the first episode of every year is a sort okay. of a, a look forward and a look back. Because you also sort of have yeah. to build it off of the past and the tech that's come yeah, yeah. from the last year or two. Cool. So I think this one's going to be a little more fun because we're at the start of a decade. So I think we should do some, let's see what we think is going to come out in the future. Like predictions? Yeah, predictions. Predictions. All right, I'll put on my predictions Nostradamus hat. Okay. Uh, actually, I've thought about this a little bit. I have a not-so-bold prediction for this year. Okay. And then I have a bold prediction for this decade. All right, let's do it. We'll let's see start, how it goes. Yeah, let's, both, let's do short-term first. Let's see w- what we're thinking this year. Okay, short-term. Uh, my, I, I have a 2020 smartphone prediction, which is every single flagship will have a higher fresh rate screen. That's my that's my not so bold but bold prediction because yeah. it someone could leave behind Apple could do sixty hertz again someone could someone uh-huh. could drop it off so it seems there's already a rumor that all the Samsungs are one twenty there's a pretty strong rumor that all the Samsung phones will be one hundred twenty hertz not all of them but all the mm-hmm. flagships yeah. your Galaxy S ten your Galaxy Note ten all the big ones this year mm-hmm. um, I do love that that they're just like hey we were behind let's just go straight to one leapfrog it they make yeah. the panels already they can I'll do take it, it. Um, you know you already have one plus on board you'll probably get. Uh, the Pixel's already on board. You just got to get the iPhone on board, mm-hmm. really. And by that time, you're most of the flagships. So that's my that's my not so bold, but yeah, like that please seems happen. Totally reasonable uh, prediction. And then I got some. Well, let's hear your short term. You want to go big, long term stuff later. So okay, uh, mine's not phone related, but 
I kind of think this is going to be the year non-Apple smartwatches are going to actually Whoa. be more. We're going to see them in the wild way more than we expect. Is there, is there a reason why you're predicting this? That's I think, an interesting prediction. I think it's not even like a great prediction because I kind of think at the end of 2018, we started seeing a little more uptick in them. Maybe not so much an uptick in people wearing them, but I think the biggest thing to me is Apple's main con is that the Apple Watch doesn't look like a watch at all. And I think right. like we, you talked with Kevin O'Leary recently, like people want watches to look like watches because they're not just time pieces or now smart watches that help you They're It's a fashion piece as well. I'll push back on that a little bit. Okay. I think there's two different audiences for a smartwatch. Yeah. I think there's the, uh, the teenager or the younger audience, maybe our age and younger mm-hmm. who never really cared about a watch until they got a smartwatch okay. and it's just an accessory and they don't really care that it doesn't look like a watch. Mm-hmm. And then there are the slightly older, slightly smaller group that are still going to buy smartwatches, but that have worn a watch before yeah, and that are maybe a little put off by the fact that it looks weird. I think if you've worn a watch, you probably want something that looks like a watch. Cause even, even if you're not like super into fashion, like there are a lot of people who just want to wear a watch because it it goes well with a suit or something like that. Business people, I'm sure, would much rather have a watch that looks like a watch rather than an Apple Watch. Um, And I guess my prediction kind of lies in not the sense that I've seen anything great with Wear OS coming out, but that watch companies are kind of not only doing their hybrid stuff, but it seems like a lot of them are starting to do full-on smartwatches. Yeah. And when you see companies like Fossil and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but Tag Heuer, like, big watch companies are coming out with stuff like this they're going to be good looking watches because they know how to make watches that look good and then you just have to have the pretty simple steps i mean none of them are ever going to be at the point of what an apple watch can do in terms of just reliability and like being in that ecosystem because fossil's not making a smartphone that i mean i know you have galaxy watch that right all that but i do think because of the fact that they look like watches i still think though biggest my biggest issue with smartwatches is the thickness of them well yeah the batteries are tough for sure yeah. i will say i have seen some more action in this space uh there was a mr mobile video either mm-hmm. two days ago or, or something like that and i forget which company exactly what it was but okay. he had a smartwatch where the whole idea was it doesn't look like a smartwatch yeah, it, was and you tap it. it was garmin so okay. that's an, almost another reason as to why i think these type these smartwatches will be more popular because garmin was always a a rugged outdoor athletic smartwatch. Yeah. Like I've, I just got one and Claire got it for me because we go hiking and I want to track stuff like that. Whereas Ooh, okay. now the fact that this company that's done smartwatches already in the fitness thing want to make it look more like a regular watch, so, I think is a, you see watch companies going the smartwatch route and smartwatch companies going the watch route. So here's my question then. Mm. Is that those companies feeling the pressure to sell something to the younger crowd? Kind of like you see like Ford is like, oh, oh, wow, everyone's going electric. We need to make an electric car now. So now Garmin's going, we've been selling these traditional watches and beat up watches forever, but now nobody young is buying these. We need to make a smartwatch. Or is it the other way? I would argue that it's the watch companies that are looking more towards the younger crowd by going full smartwatch and the Garmin's are looking more towards the, I mean, the thing is, is yeah, people are young, but. I bet more older people buy watches. True, so that's still. the that's the target market I think you should be looking for. Okay. And if you think that older people like watches that look like watches, I would be going that route. Right. Okay. Right? Yeah. Well, I think they'll they'll all probably converge. And I think I would I still want to see like some other my my biggest issue, and it's mm-hmm. not an issue at all, but with the Apple Watch is that the customization is still pretty limited. There's yeah. like a handful of watch faces. There are two shapes and two sizes. Like you can't, there's one shape and two sizes. Yeah. I would love like a different looking Apple watch mm-hmm. and or a couple different choices. But uh, yeah, there's a whole world out there of other smartwatches with other functionality that are that are coming up. So this I, is I actually, you've seen Moto 360 Gen 3 is supposed to yeah. come out this year, right? Yeah. That's once you set your favorite smartwatch. That, the original Moto 360 with the flat tire design I don't and think everything. it has that anymore. I think they've gotten rid of that. <laughs> I'm just going to say that's still my my favorite smartwatch ever. So here's the thing. Do you hope someone makes a custom watch face? <clears throat> Do you hope someone makes a custom watch face for the Moto 360 that has a flat tire no, 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 no. Okay. I, don't, I think it was funny. I don't know. I, I I liked it for a lot of reasons. The flat tire happened to be there, and mm-hmm. I was like, whatever, it's fine. I love the rest of it. But 
uh, yeah, I, I really like that thing a yeah. lot. So I think if all these watch companies can get a circular watch that's just a tad thinner, yeah, they'll yeah. be they have the flat tire the money. for yeah. for thing out the bezels. But I, I kind of like that prediction. Mm-hmm. I think that that could you've convinced me. You've swayed me. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, I'd like to right. see it. Yeah, I want to see more watches that look like watch smart watches that look like watches. All right, I have a bold, longer-term prediction. Okay, cool. This is this is a fun one, and we we might go a little more into this when we talk about CES later. But you know the trend of like every new smartphone now has at least two cameras, mm-hmm. probably three, four, some of them five, yeah, maybe six this year, and that's because we're getting all these different focal lengths. We're getting a macro, we're getting uh, a wide, an ultra wide, a telephoto, and we keep having to add these focal lengths because there is no optical zoom in smartphones. Yeah. They're too thin, they're too small. There's not enough room to do optical zoom. Mm-hmm. My bold prediction is sometime during this decade we will see the first optical zoom in smartphones functional optical zoom to the point where now we don't need six cameras on the back we don't need like the 1x the 3x and the 5x we have one camera that can do all of that and it might be variable aperture it might not do macro it might not be amazing but we're gonna we're gonna see that by the end of the 2020s and then we're gonna start to reduce the number of cameras in smartphones that's my bold prediction i totally see it makes sense on going to try and lessen the amount of cameras on the back because yeah. we're at the point now that cameras are getting so bad you see OnePlus creating a concept phone just so you just don't have to it. look at them anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um I do think like we when we've talked about Pixel 4 before, we've talked about how we want a real zoom in a phone. Mm-hmm. Like Google's whole reason to not put ultra wide in was because people like zoom more, they use zoom more. Well, give us a zoom that we actually <laughs> like enjoy and takes quality. Here's pictures. another here's another thing. And this is true among many smartphones and something they all work on is the consistency between the cameras mm-hmm. is different on every yeah. phone. Like the ROG phone's ultra wide looks like a totally different camera yeah. than the ROG phone's standard camera. And the iPhone's calibrated them pretty well, but you can still tell the difference. They look like different cameras. There's different apertures, different sensors all the time. And, you know, having like a zoom that you just zoom in a bit, zoom out a bit, and it just works flawlessly with the UI or maybe even the volume buttons or whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. that would be pretty sweet. So that's something I'm crossing my fingers for, but I actually think is worth working towards. Man, that is a very bold prediction. And, and I wrote down my predictions for the decade mm-hmm. and they just seem totally reasonable next to that. <laughs> I'm, I have another bold one that I'll toss out later, but uh, that's a that's a fingers crossed one for me. Yeah, okay. All right, so mine, my bold predictions for this next decade aren't so much of what I think we're gonna see, but lack of what we're gonna see like fads that either die out or aren't ready for the next decade okay okay maybe maybe aren't ready so my my first one is i don't think ak resolution in televisions is going to be something we're going to see a lot of in the next 10 years (laughs) in oh 10 years in the next 10 years 10 years okay because i'm thinking obviously obviously not this year yeah obviously not this year but i really don't think it's going to change much even in the next 10 years the thing about TVs is they're so slow. This is like this is like refrigerators. Mm-hmm. Like people don't buy new exactly. appliances yeah. until they really need them. Mm-hmm. So the the timeline for upgrading your phone is like there's a new one next year. Mine's slowing down. I'll get the new one. It's better already. Boom. See my return on investment. Yeah. But like with a new TV, like that 38 inch 720p LCD I've had since college, if it still works, I'm gonna keep using it. Yeah. So like people just you know, they're not going to upgrade until it's like, okay, now my TV until it's pretty much broken. broken. Yeah. yeah, Then I'm going to get a new one. Uh, so as great as TVs are and as drastically better as that 88 inch eight K OLED in the TV, like in the studio looks versus a regular TV, people don't spend that to upgrade. They don't need to. It's like just the life cycle is so long. And right now, if anyone's buying a TV in the next five years, 4K is extremely reasonable. And I think a lot of people who are going to upgrade in the next five years are probably still on 1080. They'll upgrade to 4K. Yeah, like who do you think in their right mind is going to go from upgrade a 1080 screen to an 8K screen that's gonna (laughs) cost 10 to 15 times more than a reasonable 4K would? The real thing, and nobody will. Yeah, exactly. The real reason is because you almost can't take advantage of 8k yeah. at all so that's the other thing I, and i think a really prime example of that is you just recently sent a clip in for uh the abc's new year's uh yeah. like rock and bash whatever new year's rock and eve yeah did, 
Would you like to tell the audience what resolution they made you send that in? Yeah, they told us uh, we're going to play it on ABC for 25 million people. Send in whatever format you like. It can be you standing up, sitting down, cheering, whatever you got to do. Just give us the clip, 20 seconds or less, 720p. I was like, wait, what? 720p, 16 by 9? And they were like, yes, that's what we need. So that's what I said. That's that's national primetime broadcast. 25 million people thought that looked like fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, like... TV is probably still like cable television is still the majority of what people are watching on television. Would you say that? Like, yeah, we are in a totally different niche where we watch a lot of YouTube on smart TVs and Netflix where that's taking a little more advantage of 4k. But I would say that the mass population is just watching. It's cable. still, it's still most people watching cable. There's a lot of cord cutters and a lot of slowly migrating and like younger people who don't, mm-hmm. who don't do that as much. I guess my question to your bold prediction is, by 20, 2030, so you're giving it a whole 10 years and it's still not catching on, right? I'd say like less than 2% of the population. I was going to ask, okay, 2%, yeah, yeah. Eh, that's that's not crazy. I think the decade is going to fly by and we're going to look back and there's going to be like a couple 16K TVs and we're going to be like, look at how crazy this yeah, is. Yeah, those are going to be the bleeding edge and yeah. I think AK is going to maybe start being the like, not, I don't know if I would call them reasonably, like reasonably priced yet, but... I think you might start seeing them in a couple yeah. houses towards the end. But. I think so because of the new tech we're getting in OLED and QLED, I think HDR is a new front mm-hmm. to uh, to talk about. We're going to get 4K and then we're going to get 4K HDR yeah. and then we're going to move on. So Good 4K I think I'm with is you. way more important. Yeah. Um, and then my other one is, so that was like, it's not ready yet. Mm-hmm. By 2030, I don't think we're going to see curved anything screen-wise. Really? Yeah. You So you don't think like any Galaxy Fold action is going to, no, 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 or... not that. That's folding. I mean, curved like uh, computer monitors and televisions. Oh, I know you agree with me on I, TVs. I scene. fully agree on TVs. So I agreed with it on TV because you're destroying a viewing. Like, if you have a 60 inch curved television, you have a good viewing angle for two, maybe three people who are like sitting on each other's laps. Yeah. Computer monitors makes a little more sense. I still don't think it's worth it. Like, I don't think it gives you really that much of a benefit. If you want to go something that wide, curving it in doesn't really help you that much. I'd rather just set up another monitor up and make it bigger or portrait on one. I don't care if it's one, you know, like nice rectangular. I'd rather have a landscape and a portrait monitor set up next to each other and just increase my screen real estate. That's fair. It's funny because I don't even necessarily think of it as phasing out because they're not even that popular now. Like ultrawides are kind of like hanging out and I see them in a setup once in a while and oh, look. I have my two monitors mm-hmm. replaced with one, but uh, I don't see that number drastically going up anytime soon. Exa- I, which is why I think it will just fade. Which is why oblivion. it'll fade out. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, fizzle. we just did see that that Odyssey by Samsung on the show floor today, looked and that cool. thing it looked like it wrapped around your head. It looked like you yeah. were like putting on some futuristic uh, like VR helmet or something. Like it was gonna wrap from ear to ear, but it just seems so ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I I could definitely see that number fizzling. Support for the show comes from Anthropic. Companies of all sizes are exploring use cases for AI and finding that it's not a one-size-fits-all game. It's all about finding the right balance between speed and intelligence. Like if you're powering a customer chat experience, you need instant speed at low cost. If you're doing complex R&D or advanced analysis, you need frontier intelligence. Claude 3 from Anthropic offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Claude 3 Opus is their largest and most powerful model that can handle complex tasks and analysis. Sonnet strikes the balance between information and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and most cost-effective model that can execute lightweight actions fast. Anthropic is dedicated to building AI systems that are reliable, interpretable, and steerable. Their multidisciplinary team of researchers, engineers, policy experts, and business leaders designed Claude to elevate the field of generative AI. See for yourself. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. I have another bold prediction that also has a bit to do with numbers and whether they will go up or down. Okay. And I think we'll probably get a big taste of this at CES because of the the big part that's cars now. Okay. What percent of the major car manufacturers will actually live up to their predictions of going electric by whatever year? So, you know, all these these Mm -hmm. bold claims like Audi's like, we'll make half our cars electric by 2023. 
and we'll make you know and Volkswagen and and whoever else is make everyone has make like this promise mm-hmm. of like how far electric they're gonna go. Uh, I'm thinking that they will all try to make those electric cars uh, and they will offer those electric versions, uh-huh. but the adoption will discourage them from continuing to commit until they make really good ones. So here's what I mean. There's a couple really good electric cars right now. Yeah. Then there's a whole bunch of not that great electric cars and they're pretty expensive. Yeah. So people, when they when they cross shop, they're like, oh, there's this electric car. I could buy the Nissan Leaf. Let me look into it. Uh, it's about the same price as a Prius, but it gets, what, 70 miles to a charge? I'm not changing to electric. And then they get a, you know, a different car. I think it's going to be that sort of choice for a couple more years until they start to get into a groove of actually putting R&D into making better electric cars. And then they get to start making those sales. Because as long as you know the top three, the Model 3, the i3, like the the Volt, like the couple of big dogs that are actually mm-hmm. making good electric cars. As long as those dominate, no one's going to buy the competition until they really work on it. So yeah, and I yeah. don't think it's all necessarily just the car not being great, but I think just like owning an electric car is not just owning a car. It's almost a lifestyle change in a certain sense. A little um, bit, yeah. First of all, they're expensive. Um, yeah. I mean, even if you just want to go hybrid, you're generally spending quite a few like a couple thousand more dollars. I, I know Claire was looking at, she just recently brought, I forget if she bought a Camry. I think it was a Camry, not a Corolla. And she mm-hmm. was looking at the hybrid version and it's just so much more expensive. It, she wound uh, up getting the regular one. It's interesting. I think when you look in the new car market, there is a lot of that. I I remember I got my, my first car was a hybrid and it was like one of the cheaper cars you could get. And I got 40 miles a gallon for every yeah. everywhere I drove that thing. But even now, yeah, like a fully electric car is yeah. a little bit more than just a different type of car. It's like now you have to charge it somewhere that's, every night. That's another thing. If you're not a homeowner, I find it much a much harder sell. Like I wouldn't want to stop and supercharge every single time I go out driving pretty much. And so if I don't own a home right now, I, I rent. So I can't put a charger in. I, w- I feel like I would never think about buying an electric car until I owned a home and had a place I could this, charge it every night. This is the number one place that Tesla is ahead, is mm-hmm. if you don't use either Tesla superchargers or some sort of equivalent charging network, like the Electrify America network or, some, or whatever Porsche is using for the Taycan, mm-hmm. then if you don't have enough range for the car, you get that range anxiety when you're yeah. just like parked in the garage. Because if you don't have someone to charge at night and you don't charge up every night, you're always thinking, how much range do I have left? Mm-hmm. How much range, do I, when do I have to charge? When do I have to charge? I got to go to a charger. I got to park somewhere. And that's not fun at all. No, so that's going to be a big reason why people also don't want to go to electric cars if they don't have a garage. But going back on your prediction of people living up or car companies living up to their pledges. Yeah. Do you remember what like one of the earliest years they a company pledged to be? I think like 2030 is probably one of the early, earliest I remember. 2030 I can... or 2040. Okay. I have a list here of some of the promises that have been made by various okay. manufacturers. And they're all pretty much during this year, or sorry, during this decade. Okay. Ford has promised they will make 16 fully electric vehicles by 2022, including the F-150. I don't see that happening. That is not happening. That's <laughs> they're like, going to make about four or five, and I don't know about 16. Um, and four a lot or five of these, I even see being hard because they've only announced the the Mach-E, for, the Mustang Mach-E, where like, if they want by 2022, they would have released an, an F-150 already. So they've promised like. they're going to make an electric F-150, so uh-huh. that's two. And then in the next two years, two more. That would make four. Like if they really start leaning into it, maybe five or six. Mm-hmm. But that one is a little bit tougher to see. But they've invested $11 billion into a factory to do this. Okay, that's so awesome. That's do, great to see. I don't know off the top of my head, but didn't they have something to do with putting some money into Rivian? Uh, I don't remember Ford was one. I know Amazon's one of their biggest investors, okay. and that's been a good reason for them to. I want to say like Ford or GM, and if that's kind of the same company, right? I, I get very confused with the car <laughs> yeah. car manufacturers, but yeah, uh, I want to say I don't think we'll see an if, if that is true, they're gonna test the waters with that Rivian before they really go F one fifty. But F one fifty is super interesting because I truck drivers, I'm super. Skeptical on who's gonna switch switch to EV, um, but now also seeing Cybertruck like kind of being the big honking like <laughs> yeah. military style. I wonder if some like you know 
masculine truck drivers or whatever are like oh like okay. i think i might want to go electric this yeah. year <laughs> i don't know if that's the thought I could process survive but the apocalypse with that yeah well here's a couple others okay, okay so volvo has said they're going to go half of the cars they sell by volume will be electric by 2025 now this is not something you can necessarily control you can control how many you offer yeah but to say that half of the cars you're going to sell by volume will be electric would seem to imply that People really like the electric cars you make, and they're starting to buy them at just as high a rate as your rest of your cars. So that's a tough one, but by 2025 is what they say. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll be optimistic and say they'll get close to that. Okay. Nissan wants to sell a million electric vehicles by 2022, and they have the, the Leaf now. And yeah, I feel like they could, they're probably not that far off. That's, that's one of those pledges that sounds really impressive, but isn't... I mean, you know, I, I will never knock anyone for going towards ZV, I think it's really important, but that's a that's like a that's a like that's like Apple saying we'll sell a million fully recycled uh <laughs> keyboards by the end of the year. And you're like, well that's Thanks. that's great. A million recycled uh lightning cables by the end. Yeah, that's nice, but a, uh, a million? Okay. Well sure. I guess you could do that. Uh Mercedes, Daimler. They want a hybrid or electric version of every Mercedes by 2022. That's something they've promised, and that that's ambitious. That means they I want to offer. How many hybrid cars do they have right now? Uh, I know they make the Sprinter vans, and they make some like delivery vans that are electric, but I don't think most of the Mercedes class cars have an electric version. I always forget how many like uh, like commercial vehicles they have. A lot, yeah, yeah. And every time you look at one of those, a lot of those like Amazon courier vans are usually yeah. mercedes but but in that sense them going hybrid and electric is, that's a lot of miles huge yeah. yeah i like that um honda wants to electrify two-thirds of all the cars they sell in europe by 2025 and i think that's probably a little more realistic because europe has been notoriously there's a couple countries in europe that are like way further along um you look at the norways of the world who are like uh -huh. buying mostly electric now so five years from now 2025 two-thirds of our cars sold in Europe electric. I could see that for Honda. Yeah. Um, and then we got, what else? Porsche wants to be half electric by 2024 and 100% electric by 2030. And I'm not sure what they mean by 100% electric. They probably want to offer an electric version of everything by 2030, but that's basically a full decade to go completely from one version of a car to another. Yeah, and it's also tough because like, if 100% of Porsches are electric, how many in the ultimate population are, like how many people are ultimately driving a Porsche? Like That's what true. percentage? It's yeah. low. I mean, once again, kudos to them. I love everyone yeah. going EV for the sake of the environment, but that's not, like we want Honda and Toyota. If you if you want to like There's really couple... push EV for the environment is you want the Hondas and Toyotas. So going. I'll give you Toyotas. Okay. Toyota wants to offer 10 fully electric vehicles by early 2020. So that's now. Uh, <laughs> Do they have any? I don't. I think they have. Wow. Let's see. They have a Prius Prime, which is not fully electric, but uh, I don't know if they're gonna have ten. It's so crazy to me that the company that really like brought hybrid into into popularity is behind. They are. Media. They have one of the least ambitious goals. The other half of their goal. Ready mm -hmm. for this? One million electric cars sold by twenty thirty. Don't you they know, sell like a million cars a year or something like I'm that? Sure. They they sell a lot of cars. It, and that's It's crazy to me. I asked you this question because I thought all of these promises are, were like 2030 at the earliest. So to say not all of them are going to hit their marks like I was like they, they've got time. And now you re half of these were 2022 and yeah. they like haven't even started. So if yeah. your prediction is they're not going to meet these yeah. I think it's pretty obvious. Here's, here's what I'll say. If I zoom out to all these big claims by like all these manufacturers who clearly see the wave of electric mm -hmm. coming up on the on the shore, I like that they're all making these, I don't want to say empty promises, but they're all saying, okay, fine, we'll do something electric and we'll yeah. offer something and we'll see if you like it. And if you buy it, then that's fine. I like that a lot. I think really what's going to drive this is people voting with their wallets. Mm -hmm. These gigantic companies wouldn't go electric if it didn't seem to be changing the oh, way yeah. they make money. And they're clearly facing competition now with hybrids and plugins and electric stuff. And if people start to buy electric cars, they will make electric cars, yeah, yeah. right? That's like the number one reason or way to get them to change what they do. So 
I think when people vote with their wallets and it comes time to upgrade, kind of like with a TV, like you're not going to buy an 8K, you're not going to buy a Porsche Taycan, but like you might switch to OLED. You might switch to, mm-hmm. you know, a 4K, 4K TV or an HDR TV or whatever it is. You might go electric if it makes sense for your lifestyle. And when people start to do that, they'll start to offer more. Here's a question. Not knowing the things you know, because I was just thinking to myself, like if I had to guess Ford would be the major car company that was the closest to like really putting out some electric stuff, I would never believe it. And yeah. <laughs> I think that's just like a skewed uh, like judgment I have on knowing a lot of people who are like really into trucks and like Fords. Like I probably have the totally incorrect judgment on that. But like if who would you pick if you five years ago, if you didn't know any of the information you know now, which major car company would be making? which you think would be really like stepping into the EV game. Okay, I would have guessed Toyota. Okay. And I would have guessed that because of how successful their Prius is. Mm-hmm. And that to me would mean, okay, now Toyota has some success making hybrid drivetrains. They have pretty good battery technology from all these mm-hmm. Priuses they're making and selling. Uh, they will start to ramp that up and potentially do even more, you know, fully electric stuff in the yeah. future. So that, if I was guessing, I was driving a Toyota hybrid. Yeah. It was great. I think that's what I would have guessed a couple years ago. That's clearly not number one yeah. anymore, but Well, do you know what's funny? So like my guess probably it would be between Toyota because of their hybrid stuff. And then my other one, and, and maybe being semi of a fanboy of it, but Subaru talks the game of environment a lot. And like hmm. they're very, they're geared towards people who enjoy the outdoors and, and stuff like that. All wheel drive on everything, like lots of cargo room. It's, it's a company that is watch any of their commercials have you seen their booths at like a subaru, cars, yeah, yeah at car shows they're usually they look like they're in the woods yeah a subaru a subaru is i mean they name the car the outback like they, yeah, they yeah. know their target demographic and what and they the like forester, to buy cars yeah. for yeah the forester exactly so that actually makes a lot of sense and you could see them leaning into the environmental part of it and mm-hmm. stuff so yeah that could but i didn't see any i've heard literally nothing about they used to make a, a hybrid cross track they don't make it anymore and mm. i've never heard anything about any of their ev stuff yeah, no, it I haven't makes, seen any claims from makes them. Makes me really sad. Hopefully they get on the wave or yeah. maybe I'll find some claims from them uh, as people tweet them at yeah. us. But I feel like I'd, I would have heard about it. I, I'd try and follow a little bit, um, but I've heard nothing and it makes me really upset, actually. Hey, get on it, Subaru. Yeah, let's That's do That's what it. we're saying. All right, well, there you have it. We got some, some longer term and some shorter term predictions for 2020 and uh, for the upcoming decade. So let's go ahead and take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll talk over a little bit of what we've seen at CES so far, and then what we're excited to see on the show floor. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is gonna change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution, like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at auris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S 
youtube.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. All right, we're back. So now that we've talked about 2020, yeah. let's talk January 2020 every year, CES. Mm-hmm. See. We always have the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. By the time you're listening to this, we will have gone through one day of CES and we're on the show floor scouting with cameras, looking for stuff on day two. So if you're seeing stuff on Twitter and articles, uh-huh. tag us in them, send them to us. Let yeah, us we know. wanna know what you guys wanna see so we can talk about that. And we're gonna do like a recap episode coming out on Friday. So. Right, and we have a special guest planned for that mm-hmm. episode too. He's in Vegas with us, fellow creators. So. In the meantime, we've seen some stuff and we also have some yeah. predictions. So let's go over what we've noted about a little bit of CES so far. I'm just gonna start off right off the top and say, this is a better CES than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> this is better. It's better than last year. There's a couple more interesting announcements and fun stuff happening. And uh, CES isn't always of an action-packed or fun show. So I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by this year. Now we're doing it a bit differently mm-hmm. than we have in the past. We are spending two full days in Vegas and then booking. So yeah, what's <laughs> funny is we say we're going into our day two when it's most people's day threes. Yeah, um, or four sometimes. We, yeah, we came like a day late, and I think we did it because last year just the show wasn't that great. And now coming into this year, you even said earlier like, "Oh man, I actually wish we came on time yeah. this time." But uh, yeah, so we're kind of, we came in Tuesday night, spent the day. We we didn't even really spend the day on the floor. We like. We went onto the floor for maybe an hour, ran to OnePlus, came back to the hotel by like 12.30, made our video, published it, and then we we weren't even planning on going back onto the floor, but we had time. Yeah. So we went back on, went back out, went onto the floor, checked out a couple of things while we could. It closed at six, so then we got out of there. Now we're recording this. So we haven't seen too much as of recording. A, there is a lot to see, yes. I will say. Uh-huh. So... I'll just, if I zoom out a bit, I'll just say like the trajectory of CES, this is my eighth CES, yeah. by the way. So the trajectory of CES has been like, okay, they used to be like the Samsung keynote at CES. What phone are they going to announce here? Like uh-huh. it was a big deal. And slowly year by year, big companies like Samsung and Huawei and all these guys, they realized that, oh, we can get more press on our own by just making our own event a, w- a month later, which is what Samsung's doing yeah. this year. Like that's a common thing to realize. And so year year after year after year, there were less and less major announcements at CES. Mm-hmm. All the way to 2019, 2018, where like, there just wasn't all that much crazy great stuff happening. There were some concepts here and there, a flashy self-driving car demo, and then like a pretty quiet show. You're there yeah. for four days and you're like, what else is there to even see? Mm-hmm. Um, 2020, I think a lot of, com- maybe, maybe new year, new me, maybe new decades oh. for a lot of these guys. And suddenly they're a little more, uh, a little more active and there's some, some really cool stuff. So one of the things uh, that we mentioned is the OnePlus concept phone. Yeah. That we have seen by now. Mm-hmm. And there's also a video on the channel already live. We'll toss it in the show notes if yeah, you haven't yeah. seen it. But that's on the OnePlus Concept One, which is a chromatic lens shade on the back of the phone that can hide your cameras or whatever else you want to put behind the glass, which is kind of interesting. And I mean, you could do a whole back of the phone in this, or you could just hide a dozen cameras back yeah, there. Yeah, all it has to do is, is be in it. Now, see, I'm interested in... So the concept phone we saw has that leather on the sides. Right. Do you think it would be possible to do a glass back where only a portion of it is that chromatic? Uh, Electrochromatic. Electrochromatic. So like imagine just the top left corner of the screen where cameras might be. Can just that be it? And then you can fade it so it almost matches the rest of the phone and you're losing the camera array? Uh, It is a different technology. So when you think about these, this electrochromatic glass, that's literally just a layer on top of whatever else is underneath the phone. And this layer of glass has, you know, you pass an electric current through it and the filaments change the direction Mm -hmm. based on polarity and they create this shade. This is just being able to add or subtract a shade on top of something where what we're thinking about is how can I put the camera beneath the display, which means we so want to... Sorry, sorry. I, I'm talking about uh, let's imagine the back of the phone is fully glass and like just a color that matches the electrochromatic color that it would be if it's turned on all the way. Okay. Okay, so imagine the the phone we saw, if you haven't seen the video yet, it just has a strip kind of down the middle where the cameras would be, but the side of it is 
an orange leather that's put it's the mclaren edition so it matches the sure. mclaren orange leather Papaya orange. Um, yeah i do not want a phone that has leather on the back of it, though <laughs> that's no fair. part of me is interested in that so uh-huh. what i'm wondering is that if the phone on the back was fully glass, as in not leather, as in looking like a regular phone that all of us actually want to buy, okay. if just the camera array could have, would the whole back of the phone have to be that electrochromatic or can just I a see. portion of the phone be it? Because like you said in the video, the main reason for something like this is we're having these phones that have five or six cameras on them now and they yeah. look terrible. Crazy. And they have a huge camera bump. So the best implication of this would be that it it covers it hides them yeah it hides it so can say all the phones on the back of my phone were like where the iphone bump is it's a square do you think that one square could be just electrochromatic and the rest could be a a glass color that looks like that okay here's what i'll say based on what i know about this technology okay this is uh it's it's a shade and it's a very very expensive neutral density shade okay so it's you can't change the color of it. These mm-hmm. filaments yeah, are yeah. all just in there as like a they're a black filament. Mm-hmm. You change the direction of the filament to see through it or not. So on this OnePlus phone that we saw, the cameras were covered by that electrochromatic yeah. shade, but then they put this whole black strip in the middle of the mm-hmm. phone. That entire black strip is not gonna be all electrochromatic okay. shade. It's just a small portion inside of it. And if you think of it as like a gradient, you make however much of the phone you want black. Okay. But you only have to put the shade where you awesome. need it. So if the whole back of the phone was black, it would then just in match. theory, yes, you could put whatever you okay. want behind that shade and it would just blend in and match. Mm-hmm. But if you added like a blue phone or a red phone, it, would be it wouldn't match. It would okay. be a, a different color shade. Okay. I pretty yeah. much just don't want that leather at all. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I think they were just kind of flexing a little bit with the McLaren collab okay. on that cool. one. They'd probably do some other... You know materials. I think I used to actually be kind of into the the leather backs on phones. They had mm-hmm. that Galaxy Note four, I think it was, that had like the fake Beats plastic me. leather stitching. It was really cheesy, uh, but I, I was into it, and that uh, was it was like a texture. It was like a new different texture for a back of a phone. Motorola did this too, but uh, yeah, no, the 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 sort of filament hiding however many cameras you had back there. I like the idea just because it's. Uh, it's possibly going to be able to hide like 12 cameras or whatever yeah. else we put in there before we get zoom. So <laughs> that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. So cool. We did see that. We saw a couple other things with Samsung. Yeah. Uh, do you know what we didn't see at Samsung? What? Uh, galaxy home. Yeah. God. <laughs> they, how many hundred days? I was days too embarrassed to ask somebody there. Cause you know I was I, wondering if they would just be like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's funny. I did see a headline though, that they're going to be shipping yeah, the mini version of the Galaxy Home before they even ship the barbecue grill that we thought we were going to get. I mean, I'm still down. I want to try it. I hope we're the first people to review that. I I can't wait Uh, for them to actually ship it, but I still something about like those smart speakers and like weirdly, (laughs) like, you know, I remember HomePod was delayed. Like how hard can it be to make a Bixby speaker? I must not know something about these speakers, but hey, that's, Um, uh, that's not in Samsung's booth. So what else did we see at Samsung though? Um, Let's see. Uh, I did not tech related, but there was that one guy. I'm assuming he had a, a Galaxy Watch Active on who was just ripping that like treadmill kind, that like stationary. Oh man! The entire time we were there, that was. If, if you're listening to this or someone at Samsung who's at the booth listens to this, give that guy <laughs> kudos because that was give him amazing. a raise. This guy's just straight up like stair mastering in front of everybody. So for those who don't know, CES is like, it's just a bunch of demos. Like you're walking around Uh between like, here, check out this AKTV. We're gonna play this beautiful video on it. Isn't that nice? Cool demo, walk to the next booth. Hey, check out this accessory. Look how well the magnet lines up and attaches. Isn't that a cool demo? Cool, moving on. So you just have things happening around you everywhere. And in the Samsung booth, there is this uh, stair stepper where the guy is like demoing a Galaxy watch where mm-hmm. he can like show you how well it tracks fitness. And the entire time he's in this booth, people are like swarming around him with cameras, like visiting the TVs. He's in the booth demoing this watch, stair stepper, full sweat. Yeah. Like going hard. I was showing sweating how watching well it goes. It. This guy was in a, in a pant by the time. And this was what, 9 a.m.? Yeah, yeah. 10 a.m. when we saw this. So good for that guy. Yeah. Total champ. Guy. Um, okay. We saw the Odyssey gaming monitor, which. I said before, I don't think curved monitors are that big of a thing, but my biggest pet peeve was it's a 240 hertz gaming monitor and they had Overwatch playing at it capped at 60 frames. Okay, like, we'll have to go back to that tomorrow uh, and see if there's something. Yeah, I, 
I guess people don't really notice because they don't know like high refresh rate in terms of gaming, but they left the FPS counter in the top left on the game and you yeah. can just see it hard capping at 60. And I'm like, I was losing it. I was it's so It's funny because I, I heard you say that and I was like, when I was looking at this demo, I was like, wow, that's a huge monitor. It's 5K, it's 49 inches diagonally. I had no clue it was high refresh rate <laughs> uh, because they weren't showing high refresh rate content on it. So that's a question mark, but we did get to see the monitor look pretty wild. Um, we saw a bunch of cars. Yeah, also then, interestingly, we headed over to uh, the north North Hall. North Hall, I think, is where all, all the car stuff the cars. is. We didn't get to totally look through it yet, but we got to see some cool ones. So yeah, far. yeah. So the CES is it's off on on a pretty good start. There's also a whole bunch of folding uh, stuff. There's yeah. a there's a couple Dell folding, and I say folding laptops like they don't already fold, but like yeah, yeah. <laughs> a the full touchscreen inside clamshell that's like a laptop, but there's no keyboard in it. It's just two touchscreens mm-hmm. that fold in half. That's kind of interesting that that exists. Um, some people were tweeting at me also. TCL was making like a folding phone in a clamshell design, but really? there's no screen on the outside, so it's just like a normal. It's like um, imagine a Galaxy Fold with no outside screen. That's oh. interesting too. I don't know okay. if I'd, I have to see it and like Do you know what TCL it. had? We walked past this one part at the TCL booth that had their frame TV, which is funny because we have a Samsung frame at the office. Yeah. It had, a, it had this wall with maybe like eight paintings on it, but two of them were the frames. And we're, to- we're just sitting there looking at it and we're all like, these are all fake, right? These are all paintings. And then just two of them changed. And we're like, well, I think Vin missed it change at first and he still didn't believe us that. And we're like, no, dude, that just changed. That's real. Yeah. So TCL, I don't know if you just picked the perfect picture to put on there that really looked like a canvas painting, but it was super impressive. Great demo. Yeah. Great demo. Yeah. I have any to demo say, that makes you say like, whoa, yeah, that worked. Perfectly. That one did get me. They, yeah, they had the perfect backlighting, color temperature matching whatever yeah. their tech was to make that frame TV look like a painting. And it worked pretty well. Mm. Good job on that. Yeah. Cool. Um, um, is there anything that you've seen like on Twitter that we definitely should go check out tomorrow? Um, on Twitter? Not even necessarily. So I personally think one of my favorite things about CES is not, we do videos on like bleeding edge tech and stuff we're really excited to see, but CES gets weird, man. Especially, <laughs> oh, we were talking about this actually. A lot of, the halls, all the really big companies are right in front with these huge booths. And we were talking about how every time you take like a couple rows back behind them, it's like going deeper and deeper into your Google search. Like once we got past Samsung and LG, we were on page two of Google this is, search and classic. you're desperate at that point. Yeah, it's like you get you get to the front and the main center hall is like, oh, boom, LG. Yeah, There's a wall of TVs, yeah. Samsung, Sony, Nikon, like you get mm-hmm. past that, you walk past like in the sort of a second layer. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, DJI is back here. Oh, Razor's over here. Oh, we got a couple other. And then you get to the the second like layer of them and you're like, oh, I didn't know that this drone company existed, but <laughs> that's cool. All I, right. I think a perfect example of that is I'm pretty, so LG and Samsung always have gigantic booths. So they're going like four or five rows back. I'm pretty sure it was Samsung. Once you walk, or no, it was LG. Once you walked out the back of the LG booth, Boom, Royale FlexPi tree. Oh my God, that was one of the greatest things <laughs> I've ever seen. And I, I, I'll i save my my caption for it for when I tweet it, but uh-huh. yeah, it was literally a tree of FlexPi screens. Like a giant tree just with FlexPi screens. You know what, shout out to Royale. They really upgraded their booth this they year. They like to- doubled the size of it. They didn't have they a 20 were... foot tree last year. No. That's big time. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think there's anything crazy on my timeline that I haven't yet seen. I, we did get to see the Sony car. That was maybe the number one thing uh-huh. people were like, what just happened? Yeah, Sony yeah. just put a car in their booth. Um, and we did get to check that out. And we'll have some more thoughts on that in the full CES wrap-up episode. But yeah, I, yeah. I have one item I want to see really bad tomorrow. And oh, this yeah. goes into the weird category. Okay. Charmin, the toilet paper company, yeah, made a robot. Wait, 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 wait. Pause. Okay, uh-huh. slow down already. Yeah, yeah. So Charmin is <laughs> at CES, Charmin one. is at CES. Charmin is at You're, CES. If you, you should know who Charmin Everyone should know who Charmin is. It's a toilet paper company. And yeah. it... All their commercials are just like cartoon bears that and to wipe be their clear, butts on trees. And to be clear, they only make toilet paper? I think paper towels, paper products. Paper products. Yeah, yeah. Okay. but like cleansing paper products. And so you said they made a robot. Yes. What? Robot might be a strong word. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's it's a robot. Okay, this is a, this is a CNET article title. And it's one of the greatest. Tech article 
titles are like sometimes so on point. It's incredible. I don't even want to read the rest of the article, but this one just says, Charmin's poop time robot pal will bring a new toilet paper roll when you need it most. Whoa. So I mean, AI. <laughs> I, this thing, it literally looks like, you know, the Charmin bear. Yeah. It's like if you took a, it's basically just like a small square about the size of a roll of toilet paper with two wheels on it, but they put like the little bear's face on it and gave it little ears. And oh then it just has God. a thing on top that can hold one roll of toilet paper. One roll. So, yeah. so you have to set, oh my God. So you have to set this up and like have a charging robot holding toilet paper just in <laughs> case. Because like you don't have a place where you store extra toilet paper, but you do have a robot that's yeah, sitting like, ready you to bring you more. Put extra toilet paper like under the sink in yeah, the bathroom like with next you, to but the, yeah, wow. I, I mean, hey, if I could think of one of the worst things that could happen when no one's home, it's not having toilet paper in the bathroom and having to somehow find a way. Ultimately, this is the most CES thing I've ever seen. This, <laughs> hey, no, the worst thing about it is that with all the robots that are at CES, this one might actually be the most useful. Yeah, I know that's I, the thing. Yeah. It's like it's a great demo, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure there, if they ever do a demo for it, it'll be like, all right, take the last piece of toilet paper off, see what happens. <laughs> a robot rolls around the corner, like, here's your toilet paper. I sensed that you wanted some, and uh, there you go. Charmin did a great CES tech demo. Yeah, I, I mean, it's better than the robot that's playing Scrabble, and it's better than the robot that's playing ping pong. At least usefulness. Wow. Um, but yeah, I can I can just imagine being on the bathroom and screaming at the door like, "Okay, Google, bring me my poop robot." <laughs> Sorry, this has gone so off the rails. I, I I'm so glad it did though. Yeah. Um, Welcome to CES, everyone. Yeah, listen, we're gonna be in the thick of it for the next day and a half or so. But yeah, we've clearly found some good stuff. But if you find more, if you want us to check it out, let us know. We will go find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably it will probably end up being like a dope tech of CES video where we where we like wrap all this yeah. stuff together. Um, but I'm I'm excited for the next episode where we'll we'll go back to our regular schedule. We have a we have a guest. Uh, he's great. He is he's tech savvy. I'll I'll leave it at that. I yeah, don't know why it was too crazy. But hey, yeah, that's uh that's where we're at right now. CES 2020 and the first month, the first week, the first year of a new decade. Yeah, it's exciting. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, this has been Waveform episode 13 and uh, catch you guys in the next one. Waveform was made in partnership with Studio 71 and our intro outro music was created by Cameron Barlow.